welcome to the start of a special weekly series of Property Matters on Dublin South FM for August in association with PropTech Ireland. For the next few weeks, we're going to be meeting people who are developing, driving, financing and indeed active in the PropTech and construction technology space. You can contact us on Twitter at iPropertyRadio or by email at hello at iPropertyRadio.com. Your host for today is myself, Carol Tallon, and today I'm in Dingle and I will be chatting to Damien Brown, CEO of Standard Access. Damien, you're very welcome. Thanks, Carol. Thanks for having, having me on today. I'm delighted. I'm delighted to be down in Dingle and it must be said, Dingle is packed. It's jammed, yeah. Uh, it's been, uh, as you know, it's been a crazy year, but uh, so far it's been uh, very busy here. And even some of the local restaurateurs and cafes are saying business is nearly on par with last year. So thankfully, uh, for the moment, it's, uh, it's all good. Well, that's really interesting for such a short tourism um, first uh, season. So it's great to know that, that they will be able to at least recoup some of the season. So that's important. And um, Damien, you've been on the show with us before. Um, Generally, when we talk about PropTechs in Ireland, they tend to be startups. Standard Access, indeed, is not a startup. I think it's fair to say it's one of the longest established and certainly um, one of the one of the most internationally renowned um, PropTech companies and providers in Ireland, although, of course, you're operating internationally. I mentioned that we're at your office in Dingle. So I feel like long before COVID-19 ever struck, you had the right idea in terms of not remote work, but um, working this work-life balance that your office is in a beautiful place where I park the car, I actually had a sea view. So how long have you been working from here? Uh, I've been in this office here 10 years. Uh, I've lived in a few different cities around the world, in San Francisco and in Sydney. And um, when it came to, uh, I suppose, starting family and all that, we wanted to live uh, somewhere that wasn't a city, but also had connectivity and had all the things you'd like to have, like nice restaurants and beaches and no traffic and low crime and stuff like that. So Dingle topped, uh, uh, fitted the bill for that, I suppose. Um, and we're looking in Dingle, we've up to one gigabyte connectivity in the, in the peninsula. And we're an hour from Kerry Airport. We're two hours from Cork and two hours from Limerick. So geographically, it's a, it's a great place to be. Yeah, well, it's certainly a great place to be today because the sun is shining. It's beautiful. You know, we just went and had a lovely lunch. The The town is thriving, certainly. Um, and all we missed was Murphy's ice cream. That, yeah. can, that can be for that can be for afterwards, um, but again, it's really showcasing. You know, staycationing in Ireland, it's it's really having a positive effect, which is important to see. Um, so, you've been on the show before. Standard Access is one of our go-to PropTech providers, actually, when it comes to troubleshooting for um, technology for the built environment. So, really, what I wanted to do was use the opportunity today to talk more about maybe the origins of standard access, because this is my first time in your office. And one of the things I remarked on is that there was at least seven or eight or nine awards, Irish and international awards. I don't think I've been into an office where there's been so many uh, awards and and high profile ones. Mm. So when did you start the business? Started in uh, 2014 uh, and it was a direct response to my own uh, uh, career. I uh, was a, a commercial real estate landlord for a long time and um, I wanted to use technology to improve the uh, the inefficiencies of running big portfolios across Ireland and the UK. So that's where it began, that's where I started from. Those pain points was costing me money in my pocket and I wanted to better manage um, my portfolio with my tenants and uh, collecting rent and uh, allowing access remotely, which is quite difficult when you're in one place. So that's where I started from, was trying to solve the, the issues of um, 
contactless access, really. That's a, a good place to start from. Um, usually when we speak to a technology provider for the built environment, they're coming with a particular product or a particular solution, whereas you're coming with um, a huge amount of knowledge and, and domain knowledge um, for secure data transmission. Um, you know, you've been, uh, you've really been kind of acknowledged as best in class in terms of IoT in Ireland for many years. Um, and indeed, you're involved in some interesting projects now. Which, I suppose, really, which came first? You're not a technology developer yourself. I'm not, but um, the safety of my tenants and the safety of their data were the two most important things for me when I start, when I found the standard access. Uh, so I went out to try and find the best uh, technology people I could uh, within the budget I had. Um, and I just said, made it very clear from the start, I said, the secure, security of the data and security of my tenants. I said, if those things are okay, I said, I'll, 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 I'll relax knowing that they are safe and their data is safe. Because, um, you know, if I've got a happy tenant, they're going to stay there longer, they're going to pay me more money per square foot or per square meter. Uh, so the safety of the, of the person, physically of the person and of the data, because data now is the, is, is the, is the thing that people go after to steal. Uh, so from the very start, security had to be the best in the market, best in the world. And we've built um, we've built uh, security from the ground up around our technology, around our IoT and our software to be the best in the business, and that's what we, what we achieved. Okay, and I think it's important to point out that um, all of your development is done in house, so you're not sending things out. Which you know, again, a lot of the the project providers we speak to, if they're not coming from a tech background themselves, then generally they do need to rely on building relationships with software developers, whereas I know that you actually have this in-house, which I suppose adds another layer of security onto it and, and responsiveness. Yeah, absolutely. Um, is one of the things uh, we decided, we learned very early on. First of all, we use subcontractors and things like that, but we discovered that uh, you were never guaranteed um, uh, responsive response times if something went wrong or um, if that company went all the business, what are we going to do now? So we decided to bring everything in-house we started a recruitment drive in 2018 to, to, to build out the team. So everything we produce today from our own hardware, our own software, everything we build from the ground up is completely built by us. We don't depend on any third parties. And that way we can guarantee security for our, for our clients. Okay. And, you know, it sounds, that sounds like, um, obviously that makes sense. But as somebody who's been through the startup mill before and have worked with so many startups, there's a huge gap from acknowledging a need to, and wanting to do this and seeing the merit of doing this in-house to actually being in a position to pay the wages of people doing it and, and to find the right people. Mm. There's a huge amount of work that goes in between, you know, there, here and there. So in terms of early investment, you know, where where did you start? Well, I, I presume you started with your own money. I did, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm still the single biggest investor in the business uh, and it was family and friends that helped me out at the start. And even in the last uh, 12 months as well, there's been more family and friends as, as, we, as we've been growing. And Enterprise Ireland were a help as well in the early early stages. Did you work um, with your local enterprise board first? I, I or your LEO? I, I, I actually went to Enterprise Ireland directly. Okay. And they were a great help actually. Um, and uh, they helped, um, it, you know, when they invested also brought the credibility to the company as well because they're a big international name, yeah. in, even in Europe. But not only that, but they have a reputation for doing uh, due diligence that yeah. at times is very frustrating. It gives a lot of reassurance to, yeah. to, to investors. And um, so yeah, from that point of view, it was, it was very helpful. 
But you know, being Ireland, being a small country and a small population, the amount of money out there to, that's available to invest in in early stage companies is quite limited. Uh, so that's why we decided uh, recently to um, engage to start the uh, next stage of our journey of, of fundraising, and we're looking to raise uh, in, in the region of four and a half million euros at the moment. Okay, well, you know, there's a couple of things there on what you've spoken about. But let's start with the most, what I think is probably one of the most interesting. Um, the Irish Independent, I think it was Fergal O'Connor in the mm-hmm. Irish Independent uh, business section covered, um, actually featured standard access and um, your latest technology, which we're definitely going to get on to talking because actually your team really stepped up and responded to the COVID-19 challenges. Uh, so we're definitely going to come on to that. But um, Fergal O'Connor in the, the Sunday Independent featured your latest innovation and also mentioned that you were starting a fundraising round. And I know that you you actually got some responses directly from that. Yeah, comp- like uh, a, 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 a person uh, um, contacted me through the website. Um, this guy in the United States had read the article online. Um, he has no connection to Ireland at all whatsoever, but he does have an interest in IoT security and, um, and, and real estate. And I uh, just sent a, an email, just a kind of a general email. Hi, how are you doing? I'm such and such. Uh, I've read this article in the Sunday Independent and I'd like to have a chat with you. So we had a call with him a few days after that. And it turns out he was one of the founders of uh, one of the biggest um, startups in America of the last 15 years. We, we better not we better not yeah. give his identity away. <laughs> <laughs> he might not so. appreciate that. Um, so he turned out to be a very credible mm-hmm. person. So what stage are you at with that? I know that's only the last couple of yeah, weeks. Yeah, so we're just going through the due diligence at the moment. And um, it, all I can say is it looks positive. Um, if it goes through, part of the deal will be uh, setting up uh, uh, an office in the United States, which actually wasn't even on our, our radar for the, for, the, for the short term. But yeah, it would, it would uh, expedite that, uh, that development side of our, of our business. So that's an, that's an amazing one. It just shows that actually, you know, we don't know where the investment is going to come from. But actually, that almost brings us back a step into the investment into the investment ecosystem in Ireland. And, you know, I've been criticised myself for, for saying that we don't have, you know, we don't really have an investment ecosystem in Ireland. Um, you essentially have, you know, one state body dealing with everything and then investors that come in and match it. And one of the things that we've been doing since 2016 is we've been tracking the investment coming into um, uh, technology for the built environment, so whether it's property or construction, and we know that actually almost all of the investment has come from people within the industry, but people who are not investors in startups. So I think that's really interesting. You have the industry stepping up to finance people who are solving problems that they have. And to me, that seems like a really strong vote of confidence. But it also exposes a weakness in our investment ecosystem in Ireland. Like, what has your experience of that been? Uh, you know, as any... F- Founder will tell you, uh, fundraising takes up way too much of your time, um, and particularly in Ireland, it probably takes up even more time because there's such a small investment pool of money in the country because we have a small population and, and whatnot, and we're just a relatively mature market, I suppose, in terms of wealth. But uh, the environment for investing uh, isn't ideal. Um, you know, we have the EIS uh, revenue uh, system for for tax rebates on your investment, but it's not a patch on what's available in the UK. Uh, and the UK already has a head start because there's so much more money over there. Um, so it's, yeah, you're, you, it's almost like you're trying to push water uphill when you're trying to bring in investors. 
um, you know, it's 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 not very attractive for them to make an investment in an Irish company, and um, you know, industry uh, groups like Scale Ireland, for example, are trying to push the government to change these things in 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 past budgets and upcoming budgets to try and make it more of a fairer and even more of a level playing field, uh, to try and uh, uh, free up some of that cash that's in the banks, and of course, there's more cash in the banks now uh, than there ever was before because of COVID, so um, we'd be hoping that the government might. Uh, might make some changes to encourage people, to incentivize people to invest in Irish companies. Okay, can you spell that out for people? So what's the difference, say, your company approaching a London-based investor and a UK company approaching the same investor for the same amount of investment? Um, in terms of uh, tax incentives, it would be twice as more attractive to invest in a UK company as an Irish company, from a, purely from a tax point of view. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, you know, the... the, the the problem is in Ireland, I suppose, is that uh, we're not planning five years ahead or 10 years ahead. Do you know what I mean? We're planning for this year, this mm-hmm. month. And uh, until such time as that changes, we're not going to see any change. The amount, the amount of money invested in, in, in startups in Ireland isn't going to change. And we have a massive startup scene in Ireland, a massive amount of amazing technology companies uh, starting off in Ireland with, with really great founders and great experienced teams. But... Uh, the money is just is, is, isn't being allocated or, or it's not being incentivized enough to go into it yet. Is it taking too long, even for the companies that jump through all the state hoops? It's still taking a long time for the money to come out, to come through, which means, you know, if, if you're talking about a 15 to 18 month wait for money that has already been allocated, mm-hmm. you know, that's, you know, businesses go under in much less than that time, you know, for startups that don't have the cash flow resources. You know, so how are we allowing that happen? Um, I suppose we're just not uh, prepared or our agencies aren't prepared enough for it. Maybe they don't have the right mandate from 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 government. To be fair to them, the mandate that Enterprise Ireland was given was created 20 years ago. And it hasn't even moved down times, even for inflation, it hasn't adjusted for the amount of money they invest. But the time taken from when you apply for funding, until time you actually get the funding, it can take anywhere from nine months to, to up to twenty four months, and that's not acceptable. It's it's not it's not helping anybody. Mm-hmm. It's not helping the taxpayer either. It's not helping anybody. And uh, at the moment, is you know, unless that changes soon, you know, you could actually see that companies um, moving to, to to London or Paris or Amsterdam or Berlin or other hotspots that are uh, maybe more more environmentally friendly uh, from an investing point of view. Mm-hmm. Well, it seems at this stage, because again, as I started the show by saying, you're not a startup. Standard Access is not a startup. It's no. well established. Um, you got supports in the early days. You attracted private investment. And now you're you're back looking for a further investment to roll out new technology. So, in fact, you've actually successfully navigated a lot of the things, despite the challenges we've just spoken about. Um but, you know, one of the important things that we want to do today is maybe speak to some members of your development team as well, you know, to see if they can talk to us about some of the most recent developments. But can we just start before we before we, I suppose, get on to the pandemic responsive stuff? Um, I'm going to what I'd like to do maybe is start by talking about some of your early services just to make a specific because, you know, we, we throw around terms like IoT, the Internet of Things almost assuming that people know what it is and why it's important. And I'm not sure that that's necessarily the case. And, you know, our audience is um, the traditional construction, uh, planning, construction, property and indeed uh, property technology sectors. So let's talk about, you know, maybe some of the practical uses. So what was your first service that you rolled out or product? Sorry. First thing we built was um, was 
contactless access. So think of what we call a smart locks. And you know, you might have a card reader on the other side of the door for, for traditional card-based access systems. And we did that obviously with smartphones and we used um, encrypted audio, just just sound being sent in your phone to unlock doors. Okay, how is that different to what we see in any hotel room? Uh, well, f- from a, from a usab- usability point of view, everybody with a phone or even a tablet in the world can use our technology because it's sound. There's a microphone and speaker on the phone. You don't have to have the latest, greatest smartphone. You don't have to have the latest version of Bluetooth or NFC or anything like that. So it's from a user's point of view, 100% of the world's population with a phone, even in an analog phone, can use our technology. Okay. And in terms of security, because I know that while you're looking at uh, multifamily properties and um, the private rented sector, you're also looking at uh, particularly office space like flex space. I mean, actually, is it fair to say it's a full um, building access management um, system? But I, I suppose I'm interested to break down how that evolved. So it, it started with just allowing access into just, the building yeah. or in individual rooms? Into in, in, in any door in the building, really, from first day. So it was the front door, communal doors, plant rooms, garages, elevators, apartment doors, office doors. It, it, it was that we built for, for, for first day. The software side of things then they kind of evolved and came after that, like the, the, the dashboard on data usage. So how many times was the was the event room used in a week or a month? How, how often are those offices used? How much of them are used? The, the, the data that's collected on all these different points of, 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 uh, of access, it tells the owners and the managers of the space, it gives them a lot of inf- very valuable information and how they can redesign spaces in the future, but also maybe they can re-let uh, that space out as well. Okay. Talk to me, you know, you talk about data and that that's valuable. Let's break that down for people who maybe don't understand, because one of the things that I've definitely seen, and I don't think this is unique to the property or construction sectors, sometimes people don't understand the data that they're using. They don't understand the value of it. And in fact, increasingly, it has become more of a liability that people think of it as more of a liability than an asset, something that has to be secured, but something that's uh, vulnerable, but like I said, a, a liability rather than an asset. Um I suppose the data, so every time you walk through a door with, with, with modern technology, where it's a phone or a card-based system, that's, that's, that, that's, a, a, that's data created and that's valuable data because you can learn about the space within the building, how it's used, how it isn't used, and you can plan for the future. But also when you, when you have these, these data points, you can find out about the usage of lights, of energy, of electricity, of air conditioning, of air quality, of heating, lighting and all these different things they all create data and um if you can if you can uh, harvest that data it can tell you an awful lot of uh, information about how to save money mm-hmm. and the usage of the space yeah and, and when you get into big buildings that becomes a, a, a quantifiable a very big number very quickly yeah yeah well that's definitely something that we're going to get on to speak about um we need to take a, a quick break now but when we come back we're going to speak we'll speak also uh, with Damien Brown, CEO of Standard Access, but also with some of the leaders of his technical team, maybe to get a breakdown of some of the technologies and specifically the pandemic responsive technologies that are being developed right now. Um, so we'll take a quick break. Stay tuned. 93.9 Dublin South FM. And welcome back to Property Matters here uh, for our PropTech Ireland um 
Property Matters, Summer Special on Dublin South FM with myself, Carol Tallon. You can contact us on Twitter at iProperty Radio or by email at hello at iPropertyRadio.com. We're continuing our discussion with Damien Brown, CEO of Standard Access, and we're now joined by the software lead of the technical team at Standard Access, Mihai Panika. Mihai, you all see you've been on the show before, but thank you for joining us again today. Hey, hello there. Thank you, Carol. Thank you for for inviting me. No, I'm delighted. It's uh, it's, it's, it's a pleasure to 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 join you. Well, Mihai, it's very important when we speak to the CEO of technical companies to actually make sure that we speak to the to the software leads and the technical people, so we really see what's happening under the hood. So, Damien was just talking to us there about um, you know maybe some of the the early origins of the business and you know some of the early technology that was developed and how that's evolved. So really what I'm interested to know, the team that you're leading at the moment, um, well, first of all, you've been super uh, responsive and very prompt um, in response to COVID-19 and the pandemic in terms of creating uh, new products and indeed rolling them out. So will we start by by introducing Savant, which is the um, the people counting application? Yes, that's true. Uh, Savant, basically, it's using AI and visual cognition uh, in order to determine exactly how many people are entering in a building, how many people are, are, are getting out of the building, and of course, how many people are, are inside the building. Also, uh, another thing that Savant is doing is uh, basically following uh, the people uh, using the live video streaming from, from different cameras. So basically, we can know exactly and track exactly if a person was infected, where it was, uh, what he did, what person, what other person he got in contact with. And, uh, you know, this way we we, ha- we have a tracking in you know, the system is tracking basically interaction with other users. We are, we don't use, uh, we, are, we, are, we are respecting GDPR and we don't use uh, face recognition or anything like that. So we respect privacy of the person. And that's, just, that's a huge yeah, thing sorry. at the moment. Um, because actually in terms of understanding um, how many people are in a building or in a, in a part or a zone of a building um, in terms of complying with uh, capacity regulations, you know, that's, that's been important for a long time for people like, you know, festivals and nightclubs and, and you know, for, for lots of different um, entertainment style venues and, and other venues. But now, as a result of the, the restrictions in, in, imposed um, on sort of COVID-19, the needs are very different. So how have you responded or how have your team responded to that? Well, basically, our system. I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, what our system is doing. Please so, do. basically, uh, what our what our system is doing is when it detects a person, it identifies the fact that that is a person, and then it's just it just IDs that it just gives a, a unique ID to that person, and that person has an ID and can be tracked everywhere. But we don't know exactly the name of the person, who that person is, or what what's 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 doing there. You so know? you're not In running that, into any GDPR compliance issues. Exactly. In case that person has a problem, like it, 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 it is determined that it has COVID or whatever, then uh, that ID can be assigned with a name, and of course, uh, can can track, you know, can be tracked and see exactly what other people he got in contact with. But until then, it's an anonymous person. We don't know. We don't want to know who that person is. We are just tracking to see exactly, uh, you know, that the rules are being respected. And, you know, in this situation with COVID and everything, we just want to know that everyone is safe. Okay. And in terms of the technology, because, you know, I understand that you're able to distinguish one person from another. So instead of simply knowing how many humans are in a particular place at a particular time, you know 
individually, if one person has left, you know that it's that person that has left. Um, but in terms of how sophisticated the technology is getting, you know, we know as of as of um, this week, it's now mandatory for people in Ireland to wear masks um, when they're going into any shops and on public transport. So um, the technology in terms of restricting and helping venues to restrict capacity, that's one thing. But I understand there's capacity there in terms of identifying whether people are wearing masks. Yes, the, the technology today allows us to do a lot of things. And using AI, it's, uh, it's given us more power. Basically, we can identify if a person is wearing a mask by only training the, the neural network to, to detect if a person is wearing, wearing a mask or not. So we, we can do that. We can also identify if a person is staying two meters away from another person, the same using video streaming and, and artificial intelligence. I mean, like I said, the technology evolved a lot. And today, with the help of AI, we can, we can do a lot of things. Oh, that's an interesting one. So actually, even when you're... So through existing CCTV, there's no new hardware required for this. I am, is that correct? That's correct. We, we don't we don't require any installation. We don't require any any new hardware. Just using the existing CCTV cameras, we can we can do all of that. But okay, so that that's an interesting one though because I I was aware of the capacity and and head counting, you know, which is vital right now for businesses um, and for lots of venue owners and managers. But actually, you can detect or the technology can detect if people are breaching the two meter distance. Um, yeah, exactly. Is there a way to maybe alert people if that's happening? Yeah, everything it's uh, it's being done in real time. So in case that ha that that happens, uh, an alert is being sent to the building administrator, or or you know the system allows us allows us to to set up an email or a person that's that's handling all of this. So if that's not being respected, the two meters distance is not being respected, that person will be will be sent an email or an alert in real time to, you know, that that's happening, you know. OK, and um, Damien, you have two decades of experience uh, managing portfolios. You know, how how important is this for building owners and managers right now? It's very important, Carl, because, um, you know, building managers and, and property managers and people working in, in facilities management, they don't have a lot of extra time to deal with the new problems of the COVID-19 has brought upon us. So if you can use technology as simple as the software as we've built, um, without having to spend any money on hardware or downtime for installations um, and allowing your staff to continue going about their everyday tasks without having to monitor people or, 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 or watch out if they're wearing masks or they're socially distant. Um, you know, it's, it frees up their time and get out their, their jobs where there could be security people as well. Okay. And in terms of buildings, uh, or sorry, in terms of rooms, so I'm thinking specifically um, in, a, in a public building or indeed in a large office building or flexible work office building, um, you know, things like bathrooms, we know that most people are, you know, maybe restricting that uh, in a public bathroom that might have, you know, six or eight stalls, only two people are allowed in at a time. But how do people know that unless they actually walk in? And obviously you can't put um, cameras in bathrooms. So, I mean, is there a tool to deal with that specific use case? Uh, yeah, well, you can have a camera that's outside of the door of the bathroom. So basically you can count how many people are getting in the bathroom and how many people are getting out of the bathroom. So that's that, that's not that's easy. 
Okay, so because again, that's one of the challenges that that um, building owners have. And actually, one of the you know we actually had a discussion amongst um, some property owners and managers uh, and building managers. And one of the issues that came up was that you know where there was um, where capacity was breached, would there be an ability? Um, to restrict access into a room. So say, for example, if it was a boardroom or um, another room, you know, is there is there automatic um, or is it the facility to connect the data and the information that's coming in with the um, access system? Well, using our the SAB, our, our hub, that basically it's an IoT device, uh, the, the, our hub can can take all that data and can send it to different systems in the building. So basically, it can unlock or lock the doors, uh, taking into account how many people are inside the building or how many people are waiting to get inside the building. Okay, and uh, Mihai, as I mentioned, um, your team had actually, you know, had this developed and rolled out exceptionally quickly. So, is this something that you had already identified, like prior to the pandemic? Was this something that was already identified as necessary for buildings? Well, not really. I always like to work in in, in artificial intelligence, and I already had a few things developed. So when when the pandemic came and everything, I just put everything I had into into practice, and we just came up with this product. That's amazing. That's um, you know I, I mentioned at the top of the show that Standard Access is not a startup, and um, that it's very much an established uh, technology provider for the built environment. And actually, this just shows one of the great examples of this that you actually had innovation that you were working on that was what sitting around waiting waiting to be used is that the kind of um technology that's referred to as orphan technology where it's you know developed for one use and not fully put to use and then it's sitting there waiting if needed in the future well it's not exactly orphan technologies i like to call it research so basically we're trying to improve the product and come come with new solutions that will help the building managers or will help will help people in general you know so it's, I don't like the term orphan technology. I just, uh, I, like I said, I like to say it's just research that will help in the future. Yeah, well, look, obviously it, it served your clients well and the industry well, um, because obviously this was there's such an immediate need for this. And it, it's obviously the pandemic um, gave rise to problems that we just never had to solve before. So actually any company that was in a position to step up and innovate quickly and roll out quickly, you know, which is difficult to do. You know, certainly there's a competitive advantage there um, to be had. But Damien, just knowing your experience of um, managing portfolios, you know, what's how what's next in terms of managing um, the pandemic as we try to get back? But we're seeing second wave. Um, I suppose. uh the, the, the technology we developed, the, uh, the 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 crawl counter and the, the, the ability to, to see if you wear a mask or not, uh, that is going to evolve more in terms of um, managing quality of air in in buildings. And um, the health of buildings could become a big issue. Uh, and people knowing the health of a building before they actually go into the building, or a room, or a lobby, or an office, that if the air quality isn't the the, the healthiest, or it's too stuffy because there's too many people in there that they can be redirected to another part of the building. Okay. And I suppose, you know, we actually start in the last section by, you know, it, we actually, we didn't get into explaining IoT for people who maybe don't understand. So, Mihai, while we have you on the line, 
Will you explain to people, you know, because again, we use the term IoT, we, we you know, credit so much to, to IoT sensors and the data that's being collected, but will you explain briefly just how that works for building owners? Well, an IoT device basically it's a, it's a device that consumes has low resources and basically it's gathering data from all the the building sensors, all the what's happening in the building, and sending it to 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 a server that data that that data can be can be worked with. So basically, there's different kinds of IoT devices. There's different kinds of uh, devices that that does that, but an IoT device is basically, like I said, getting the, getting the data, uh, processing, some of the devices are processing the data, but some of, uh, some of the devices are sending the data directly to the server where it's, where it's being processed. It's, it's being sent to a data lake. Yeah, um, thank you. Thanks for explaining that, Mihai, because it's something that we refer to kind of almost weekly, and yet we probably don't take the time to explain or discuss. Um, but one of the things that, I'm, that I've noticed in the past um, and I've been a little bit critical of is that, you know, we've had great pockets of innovation, but they, they don't seem to be cohesive. They don't seem to be joined together. So, you know, in terms of the technology that uh, and the products that you're deploying now, can they be integrated into existing building management systems? Yes, right now the technology, we have uh, some uh, APIs, uh, we call it open APIs. That basically can interact with any any other type of, uh, of building technology that exists over there. I mean, there's no problem there. And apart from that, our team is is willing to develop new APIs and new new ways of interacting with other systems. So we are open to 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 new technologies. Okay. And what's next? I suppose before we let you go, I, I understand that I'm sure you and your team have your hands full actually in continuing the rollout of um, Savant, which is the the counting, the headcount capacity uh, tool that's actually being deployed through existing CCTV for businesses or for building owners and managers. But what are your team working on after that? Well, we have a lot of, of projects right now, but uh, mainly we are focusing on how artificial intelligence can can improve the life uh, of, of people living in buildings and how artificial intelligence can improve the the management and the way that that building manager can can handle all that's happening inside a building. Okay, we've heard it said that COVID-19 across all sectors, not just uh, planet construction and property, that COVID-19 has really um, furthered the case um, of digital transformation. You know that it has done more in three or four months than maybe was done in three or four years. Are you, do you think that's the reality? Well, uh, yeah, I think that's true because uh, everyone until now, everyone was expecting the, there were like a lot of delays uh, getting new technology on the market. But uh, with all this COVID-19 that's happening, everyone is hurrying up to, to, to adapt to, to, to the reality, basically, because uh, it's the fact is that our life has changed and we have to find new solutions in order to make it a little bit normal. Yeah. Yeah, look, we, we don't, you know, it's very difficult to provide solutions for the new normal when we don't know what that looks like. You know, Damien, you probably have the most experience of anyone here in terms of um, offices and dealing with the, the changing needs of office occupiers. You know, what do you see as coming next? I think um, in terms of office developments in the future, I would say that uh, office buildings will actually get bigger because there's going to be more space required for every user. And do, you, do you think that even with more people working from home and remote absolutely, working? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Interesting. I think that um, 
it's, it, we're not going to go to one extreme of work from home or one extreme of back in the office. It's going to be a healthy mix, I would say, of two or three days collectively per week for each worker. Because we are social, we are social people, social beings at the end of the day, and we need a social interaction. But so the future, I think, will be the Google style, the Facebook style of offices where you've lots of room, lots of internal, even internal gardens, living gardens. Uh, you know, it's going to be more about providing the amenities for each person to make it as healthy and as conducive, I suppose, to productivity as possible. So no, going back into into on-door offices or or people being piled into 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 tight spaces that's well gone thankfully thank god yeah so mihai it sounds like yeah uh, you and your team will be kept busy trying to actually develop the new tools that we need going forward for office changes um but for now we'd need to take another quick break my thanks again to Damien Brown, CEO of Standard Access and by Software Lead of Standard Access, uh, Mihai Panika. Thank you for joining us. We'll be back after a short break with Damien. Um, stay tuned. 93.9 Dublin South FM. And welcome back to our PropTech Ireland Property Matters Summer Special on Dublin South FM with myself, Carol Tallon. You can contact us on Twitter at iProperty Radio or by email at hello at iPropertyRadio.com. So we're continuing our discussion down here in Dingle with Damien Brown, CEO of Standard Access. Um, so Damien, you know, we've discussed the technology there with your software lead, uh, Mihai. And one of the terms that kept coming up was contactless. Now, I know that that's something that was actually a, a feature of your technology, but how have you doubled down on that as a result of the pandemic? Um, we, you know, because of not having, or sorry, contactless really is about uh, not having to use physical keys, not having to meet somebody. The cost of someone sending a, a property owner sending someone across the city with a bunch of keys to open a door for a potential tenant, for a real estate agent, for a gas inspection, for the local government inspector, whatever it may be, that costs money. It takes time and it's fraught with difficulties in terms of keys going missing and then you gotta bring in a locksmith to change locks. So we came up with the idea to use our mobile phones. The one thing that everybody carries in their pocket, a mobile phone. And the technology we use to open that door with a virtual key is sound, encrypted audio sent from your phone securely to the door. And the reason we use that is because everybody in the world has a phone, has a speaker and a microphone. So you don't have to have the latest uh, iPhone 11 or the latest Huawei P20 or whatever it is, anybody with a phone can use this technology. But the beauty about it is, it is in terms of security, it's so much more secure than using Bluetooth or using NSC or Wi-Fi or any other technology like that. Um, is, but, it sent, is, it, is the code, the encrypted sound code, is that sent via a text message or? It's simple, it's, it's a sound wave sent from your phone. But how does the person get on their phone? So your your credentials are created um, uh, by the landlord or your employer first day, depending if you're an employee, based on your pay grade. And that would dictate what doors you're allowed through in that building or another building or, or a whole range of buildings. So for any individual, it can be tailored to Absolutely, what doors yeah. they open. Yes, yeah, so you can dictate. Is it time limited? Yeah, you can do both. Uh, so for cleaners, you might want them to go through every door from nine to, nine to five, uh, Monday to Sunday. Uh, for your 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 CEO, it'd be through the front door, the the elevator, the garage, the executive floor, for so on and so forth, and maybe the the junior operators might be allowed onto the first floor, or second floor, or part thereof, and that can be recurring access Monday to Friday, nine to five, or it can be if they're on night shift, it might be eight to late next morning, or um, it can be once off. 
So you might want a, a, um, a plumber to come in or an electrician and you might want to agree with your tenant, listen, is it okay if um, we fix your problem uh, on Tuesday morning between 10 and 11? And if they say yes, and you get uh, in-app chat back, back confirming it, a uh, text message saying, yeah, that's okay. You can create a key to send out through the internet to that uh, team of, of plumbers or electricians to go and fix that problem. And they're only allowed through those doors through that time into that building. And it all creates an audit trail, so you know exactly who and through what door, what time. And if someone breaks the rules of the building, or their their lease is up, or whatever, maybe you can reject the access immediately in real time. There's no collecting a key off somebody afterwards, or a card, or anything like that, and that kind of kind of kind of stuff. Um, it actually strikes me that that would be a really good solution for even um, for things like uh, meeting rooms and boardrooms sure. because it's it's so difficult in terms of uh, as somebody who has shared and, and worked in um, kind of large co-working spaces. You know, when you book a meeting room, you know, if there's somebody still in it and, you know, these things, these things are still quite manual. They are indeed. Uh, um, the growth in co-working and flex space has been phenomenal the last couple of years, but they're still using all technologies. They're there's physical people, human beings behind counters waiting for you to arrive after nine o'clock to administrate. What's your ID? Show me your passport or your driver's license. Sign that form. Blah blah blah. Here is your plastic card or here's your key, and that takes time to cost money. So you want to eliminate that. You want to be able to make your flex space really flexible, and that means open the door twenty four hours seven. If so, if, if so, if so be it. Or booking a meeting room, or booking a hot desk, or booking um, the conference room, or whatever may be in the building. Uh, you can do that with our technology. You can book 10 minutes, 20 minutes, half an hour, one hour, whatever it may be. And then once you've created uh, the booking for that space, you can invite people in. So your people you have in your meeting might be your lawyer, your accountant, your client. Or can they also be given access? You, you can share keys with them if, 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 if you want to. And, and, and they, don't have to download, they don't have to download the app. You can just share one, one time key with those people. If it's allowed by the landlord or the employer, that's, you know, all our technology, be it software, hardware, it's all modular. It's designed, you can, have, you can have this piece of it or you can have that part of it. Or you, can, you, know, you can white label it and you customize it uh, depending on what the client wants. But what we've seen a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, where, where we've seen the biggest in, increase in business recently has been in, with the flex operators and the co-working spaces around Ireland and the UK. Um, everybody's afraid of catching coronavirus mm-hmm. and COVID-19. And yes, contactless is a way to, to battle it and to, uh, one of the tools you can fight back with it. But what we're starting to do now is... Um, is use uh, proximity um, with technology. So you don't have to take the phone out of your pocket. You don't have to touch the uh, the, the door handle. You can just, uh, when, once it recognizes that, hey, that that authorized person is within one and a half meter, two meters of the door, it'll unlock the door. You can use your shoulder to push in the door, whatever it may be. Okay, sorry, will you just explain that again? So essentially, you know, what previously you might have had to like hold your phone up to the door. Mm-hmm. Even though it's still contactless, yeah, you know, there's yeah. the, the effort of taking your phone out of the yeah. bag or whatever it might be. So effectively now, going forward, you can just have the phone on your person. Exactly. So you get a seamless access through a building. So if, if you Actually, the way cars now just need the key inside exactly. the car. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. You know, you walk up to your car and some of the new cars unlocks when, you, when, you, when, you, yeah. when, you're, when you're when you're close to it. Um, so yes, it's, it's similar to that. So you, you all know in a lot of buildings like hospitals and shopping centers and places like that to have... Um, Electric doors will open as you as you approach them. Yeah. It's, it's similar similar in that kind of in kind of kind of way, but in a commercial office environment or a, an office space or, a, or whatever maybe. But it's doing it specific to the person and exactly, the permissions yeah, that yeah, that person per, has. Exactly. So if they don't have the permissions, the door is not going to open. It's not going to unlock. And um, if they try to unlock the door, send an alert to the building manager or the owner. 
Okay, and again, that's all, you know, unlike, you know, maybe some of the technologies we were discussing earlier, this technology, or sorry, this the data from this technology is specifically about the person. Exactly. So this is where... I, uh, standard access has really kind of come to the fore as uh, not just Irish, but as a, a global leader in terms of secure real estate data transmission. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it sounds to me that maybe back in 2014, you were perhaps a little bit ahead of the curve in understanding the value rather than just the responsibility. You know, obviously, yeah, there are two sides I, I, of the I, same I, coin. I suppose um I, I didn't see the value in it. Only the value to me was that knowing that my, my tenants were safe in the building. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, you know, just from a personal point of view, I was always uh, careful about data and 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 an IP intellectual property. So when we were when, when data is created by access or by using lighting or heating or anything else like that, I think it's very important to secure data, and that's where we've become almost experts by default in the in in the secure data transmission domain. So. The data created by our clients and their clients, mm-hmm. um, you know, if, if our client might be a property developer, their clients would be a tenant, maybe an international or global company. The data privacy, uh, the secure, sorry, the, the, the securing of the data transmission is probably the most important thing for them. And mm-hmm. we've become, I, uh, I think we've become one of the best in the world in this space. Yeah, you know, we touched off it with Mihai earlier, but, um, you know, IoT now has has become almost ubiquitous in modern buildings, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean we understand what it does. And, you know, that's, IoT... That's that's one of the big problems now is that yeah. uh, IoT has exploded. So the Internet of Things, IoT, basically it's, it's a device in a building that's connected to the Internet or connected to a network. And it's feeding information back to uh, to to a server, mm-hmm. uh, so that could be uh, a smart lock. It could be a connected camera. It could be lighting. It could be the air conditioning. It's it's quite sophisticated though in terms of zoning and um, getting data on building use and yeah. the use of individuals within it can, buildings. It can, it can, so the data can be it, with our with our system. It can be by user. By door, by floor, by building, by location, mm-hmm. by city, uh, depending on where you want to, to see that data, it's available to you. But um, but secure, like I said, securing that data is the most important thing. And um, unfortunately, we've seen a massive growth in IoT. It has really exploded and it's going to get bigger and bigger and bigger, particularly with the advent of 5G. But what's not happening is the, is the people are releasing all these devices onto the market. They haven't even thought about security. Security hasn't even entered. The, the, the development phase or the starting where it should start from the very start and uh, that's where we have a big advantage um, from secure, for security of data we um, that, would, that would be our, our, our strongest point I, I would say Okay is there any way to know because obviously we know that there are sensors all over uh, contemporary buildings now and not just contemporary buildings in mm. a smart city mm. right across the city mm. you know on, on lamps uh, you know on, on street lights mm-hmm. how do we know how secure, because that's all gathering data on us all the time. How do we know how secure any individual devices are? Um, I suppose it depends on, it depends on the company you use to put it in. Uh, do, do they have the ability to do it securely? Uh, and because every time you add a device or a sensor to a network, it creates a vulnerability into the system. Um, one of the, Good things about five G is that it will reduce a lot of those vulnerabilities in the system because it's you know it's it's a, it's a, it's a specific network, um, but uh, I no 
Yeah, no, and I, look, I suppose one of the reasons why we ask questions like that is that, you know, I'm very aware that we absolutely don't have all the answers, but I think that these are really important questions to ask because by raising questions like this, we know the next stage of delivery, you know, the next stage of innovation, or as Mihai says, the next stage of research, mm. you know, that has to happen. Mm. It's still very early days in a lot of this, but, you know, it's, I think it's important that we have some benchmarks. You know, it's important that we understand. It's almost that, you know, there are a lot of unknowns. I, I, I suppose it's like, I'll give you an analogy. It's like uh, back in the 80s and house alarms became popular. Mm -hmm. The burglar would generally would skip the, the apartment or the house with the house alarm and go on for one. They didn't have one. Mm -hmm. And I suppose it, it, with technology, nothing is unhackable. Everything is hackable. It's just a matter of perseverance at the end of the day. And I suppose what we do is we make it really, really, really difficult for people to break into our system so mm -hmm. that they move on to the lower hanging fruit, the one that doesn't have the, 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 the deep security that we build in. Yeah, you know, um, before we started recording, you know, in an attempt for me to understand this a little bit better, I was asking you uh, essentially what the what would be the worst case scenario of a building being hacked. And when you talked me through it that's a pretty scary scenario it's like something out of a, a movie that you know to think that a building could be hijacked everything sure. from the mechanical breathing of the building right down to the air coming in to the building mm -hmm. it's not just a case of you know the lights you know the, that there's that's, that's huge vulnerabilities huge vulnerabilities and that's why we uh, invest so much time and resource into into building security because we don't want these things to happen to our clients because, you know, our reputation will be built on security. And, um, yeah, it's going to happen at some stage in the next couple of years in the city of London or New York City. A building is going to be hacked and they're going to lock the doors. They're going to switch off the air con. They're going to switch off the lights. They're just going to play cat and mouse with a, with a building owner. And uh, it's just a matter of time that it does happen. Uh, so um, we're just making sure that uh, we future-proof um, our clients' buildings, mm -hmm. that these vulnerabilities um, are, are, are taken care of before they even open the door. Yeah, you know, and it, uh, again, this is, it sounds quite dystopian. Um, and we talk about this in the future, but actually all of the capabilities and all the technology it's, exists today. It's, it's already happened. Um, one of the biggest um, uh, door smart lock company in the world, um, their system was hacked last year. Mm -hmm. And hundreds of thousands of people's uh, front doors were, um, were uh, unlocked remotely uh, until they fixed it a couple of hours later. But uh, it just shows you... Um, you know, if the if the system is vulnerable or there isn't uh, good security there, they're going to come after you. You're just an easy target for them. Yeah. So you just got to make it very difficult for them. Okay. To delegate to somebody, go somewhere else. Or to contact Standard Access. Or contact us <laughs> and we'll secure it for you. Okay. Look, um, I mentioned at the at the start of the show that actually, you know, you were featured um, in the Sunday Independent just in the last couple of weeks. Um, and so that piece announced that you were actually on a fundraising um, looking to, to raise funds at the moment in the region of kind of four and a half million euros. So I suppose two questions. First of all, you know, we know how that's going. We know you're in conversations and we know that that there's already conversations happening around that. But I suppose the more interesting question for me is, you know, what what is that money for? What's next for Standard Access? Uh, research and development. Uh, we already um, uh, spend quite a lot of our, our, our resource in, in R&D and innovation and adding to our uh, intellectual property. So we want to beef up that, uh, build out the team there and um, iterate more products, keep us ahead of the curve, give us that, that competitive advantage 
in markets and um, we'll also uh, uh, went to the United States we need to set up a base put, uh, put boots on the ground in the United States and uh, and beef and up our development team in, in London and Dublin too Okay um, Damien you've come so far you know with, with um, standard access there's been a lot of development and a lot of delivery very quickly you know that most other prop tech companies or any technology companies will be envious of. So before we let you go, I have to ask, you know, what advice do you have for founders here in Ireland? Build what to call MVP, minimum viable product as quickly as you can. Um, and forget about all the features and all the glossy stuff. Just build something that works and might improve someone's problem by only 10%. If it does that, people will buy it off you. Go and talk to the clients you think will want to buy this. Go talk to 20, 20, 30, 40 of them and get feedback. Say, listen, if I build this and it improves your, your bottom line by 10%, would you buy it? If they would, how much would you pay for it? Do that before you do anything and try not to raise money at the start. Try and get the MVP built, get into people's hands and try and get yourself some paying customers. Then, you know, if you need money, go out and try and raise it then. I think that's really sound advice, Damien. Thank you. Um, I'm just going to put one little uh, proviso in there. Like if you're not coming from a technical background yourself and you want to build the MVP. It's quite difficult. How, how do you know who to trust? It's very hard. Uh, it's really hard, especially, you know, I'm from, a, I'm from a real estate background. So if I want to develop a new building in the morning, I'll go and talk to architects or I'll talk to quantity surveyors and I'll talk to engineers. And within the first five minutes, I'll know whether they know what they're talking about or not. Uh, I'm not a techie at all. So when I, first of all, when I got involved in this, I went talking to people uh, in technology and I was uh, asking probably the, the dumbest questions I ever heard. And they said, oh yeah, we can do this and we can do this and we can do that. And I didn't know whether or not they could or not. Uh, so, you know, all I say is to, found, to early stage founders, don't be afraid to talk to people and ask for advice. You know, people sometimes say, oh, I don't want to be, I don't want to be telling people what I'm going to do in case they copy it. No one's going to copy your idea. Yeah. They don't have the time to do it. They're too busy with their own lives and their own businesses. You know, I think that's a really interesting one. It's one thing that you hear a lot in on the startup scene, you know, people being, you know, holding their ideas and their new ventures very close to their chest. And, you know, there, there's this great analogy there that essentially everybody's startup is their baby and everybody thinks their baby is the prettiest. Mm. Nobody is any interest in your baby because <laughs> no, they think theirs is, they think theirs is yeah. much prettier anyway. And, you know, I, I think that's really solid advice. Um, so look, we'll leave it there for now. Uh, Damien, thank you so much. That was Damien Brown, CEO of Standard Access. Thank you for being so generous with your time and so forthcoming to talk about the early experiences because it's so important for the next generation of um, tech startups, particularly here in Ireland. So not, not at all, Carol. Thanks very much for having us on the show again. Really appreciate it. And, always uh, anytime we wish you the best with, with the show Thank well you. do you know what? it's always a pleasure to visit Dingle as well see there's another competitive <laughs> advantage that you have so look that's it from us today thank you for listening in to PropTech Ireland Property Matters Summer Special on Dublin South FM you can get in contact with the show on Twitter at iProperty Radio or by emailing hello at iPropertyRadio.com also my thanks to Peter Rice on, or Peter Rice on Sound and show producer Katie Talon of Hear Me Roar Media we're back at the same time next week from myself Carol Talon and all the team here stay safe